All right, guys, welcome back to Always Evolving. I have a guest today, Sean Stevenson. How's it going? Good. Thanks for joining me. It's my pleasure. You know, we we have a mutual friend uh, who, her name's Cynthia Garcia. That's right, yeah. And I reached out to Cynthia and I said, I want to bring Sean on Always Evolving because I think he's going to provide some wisdom. But tell me about you. Like, if you were going to kind of give me your story. Mm. Wow, that's... We already talked a little bit. We did, yeah. You know, my background is very weird. <laughs> you know, I grew up a good portion of my childhood living with my grandmother. Uh, I'm biracial. And was that different growing? You grew up in Missouri, was it? Yeah, in Missouri. And so this was in the in the early 80s, you uh-huh. know, living with my grandmother um, from kindergarten to second grade. Most memorable, really deep time of my life. You, you know, when you kind of come online, there's this like infant amnesia, you know, you don't really remember, but... You know, from that point on, kindergarten, when I, and I actually came to live with her because of some of the circumstances, living with my mother and my stepfather, uh, shortly before that. Why did um, you live with grandma? So shortly before that, I was, you know, my mom, it's a tough environment. You know, it was very, very tough environment that, that she lived in. And she wanted me to be a strong guy, you know, a strong kid. And it was very much one of the mothers of like, you know, you better not come in here crying, you know, you get out there oh, and wow. fight. But um, this one particular in, uh, instance, I was kept getting to the scuffle with this kid next door, Alfonso. I'll never forget. Um, I was four years old. Alfonso was maybe six. And our parents, my parent, my mother, and it was two adults with him. I don't remember if it was his mother or, um, but they made us fight each other. You know, it was kind of like we were, really? they were sitting out on a stoop. Yeah. And they watched us and they made us fight. And I remember before it all happened, I was just like really I felt so wrong. I was just like, why? I don't want to do this. Did you why even know how to me? fight? I mean, just because of my, my stepfather, you know, like kind of punching, throwing hands, that kind of thing. But immediately I was a, you know, I was a baby really, man, four years old. And he pushed me into a corner of a brick wall. And I still have this big scar on the back of my head today, just busting my head wide open. So I'm wheeled into, the story gets better, by the way. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to talk about this. But I just remember, like, the lights going over me as I'm rolled into the hospital. And But, you know, all the while, like, I'm just, I felt so upset that I lost. And I was telling my mom, I'll get him, I'll get him. And a couple of days later, after, you know, getting out of the hospital with stitches, he was outside in the back. And, you know, this big metal Tonka trucks were the thing. And, you know, I retaliated. And that just kind of set in place this continuous instance of me solving problems with violence because that's what I was taught to do. Wow. But my grandmother, shortly thereafter, I went to live with her and I really, I wish she was still here to ask her the details, but I know she was like, you know, this, you can't allow my, 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 my grandson to get hurt like this, you know? And so, but- Why do you living, think your mom did that? She wanted me to, that's the thing. It's like, it's not that she didn't love me. She wanted me to be tough. She wanted me to be able to handle myself in the environment we were in, you know? So, but living with my grandmother is very- Man, it was so beautiful, man. It was just every, there was so much certainty. We had routines. The school was just a block away. Mm. It's very safe neighborhood. Did you miss your mom and dad? No, not really. Not really. I mean, just going back over there for the weekends was always- Why do you think they gave up? I mean, your mom and dad would have had to allow your grandma. You know what? I, I, I got to say that I did miss my mother. I would have this recurrent dream and I'm not this, I'm not a guy that talks about dreams and all that, but I would, I would, I would have this dream that I kept trying to get to her. And every time I get close, she'd go through another door, you know? And I always just kind of felt like I'm, I wanted to be with her, you know? Mm. So, but consciously I would prefer not to be over there because when I go to their house, I'm sleeping on the floor, you know, there's rats and 
roaches and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but in this environment, my grandmother, this really gave me an exposure that so many other people where I'm from don't get, which is, you know, this, this feeling of safety. There was no like impending doom, like when I walk out my door and also safety within the construct of my home as well. Mm -hmm. My grandmother, and I'm sure they were married, so I'm sure they had disagreements, but I never, there was so much love, like they were an entity, you know? What was your dad like? through all this. I never met him. Never met my dad. That's wow. my, I, my Never in your life. Yeah. So my birth certificate's a blank. I have no idea. Wow. So I have that kind of story, you know, like my mother was a teenager when she had me and, you know, so, but that, I got that exposure of a man and a woman in a relationship and a construct in love, seeing my grandmother and my grandfather mm. and it left, it's an imprint, you know, even if life strays away, it's still there. And Going and being in that environment, one of the things that really, even while I'm sitting with you today, and I, I, I really want to provide this for everyone else, it's not about learning stuff. Like you can try to learn how to be this or that. Mm. It's having a love of learning. Mm. And she sparked that. There's this nature versus nurture yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. conversation, but I remember being with her and having this little Garfield writing book and just having this thing come online of like, wow, I can create anything I want. I can create ideas and words. And I just fell in love with learning. You right. Know? And so, but my grandmother, you know, she listened to Dolly Parton and the Judds, Mama, he's crazy. Um, Dariba McIntyre, Randy Travis, all this stuff. So we had that. Right. And then I go with my mother and we've got, you know, Michael Jackson, we've got New Edition. So, so everything was good. You, everything was like nurturing. You felt good. You're with grandma. Then my grandfather started having uh, really bad issues. You know, he had a heart attack and had to have an open chest surgery. And again, I wish I would have known what I know today. Um, but they wanted to move back to, he's a country boy, you know, mm. to the Piedmont, Missouri, which is like straight up, you know, what we call the woods, right? you know, and it was a choice that again, I wish I could ask my grandmother about, cause I'm sure she wanted to take me with her, but I would have been like literally sticking out like a sore thumb. I was mm. already, I was in a 99% white school, you know? And so I kind of already had some of that tension and just being, you know, the environment telling me that I'm different. Mm. And, but I went to live back with my mother and, you know, my, my little brother and sister had come along at that time. So I'm going from a 99% white school to a 99% black school. Wow. And that dichotomy, I mean, that like, it was such a culture shock for both ends of it. And in this environment, you know, now we're, I'm dealing with, you know, drugs and, and gangs and, you know, the violence that I'm seeing now more consistently, you know, within my household, my stepfather, my mother. And Why do you think people are violent? It's, it's not that we necessarily, of course, like oftentimes you feel this regret when you hurt somebody you care about. It's just an inability to manage one's psychological and emotional output. As a matter of fact, this is a big reason why I wrote Eat Smarter. Hmm. It wasn't, I mean, of course we were providing the best material on metabolism, but it's specifically how food and nutrition affects how we relate to other people. Mm -hmm. And one of the studies that I highlighted, and this was conducted by researchers at Oxford, they wanted to find out what would happen with prison inmates if you improve their nutrition. And so they took a group of prison inmates and they gave them increased nutrition through, you know, vitamins, minerals, right. omega-3 supplements. And then they had another group who they gave a placebo. Mm. And this was a multi-month study. And then they compiled all the data at the end of it. And they found that the folks who received increased nutrition had a 40% reduction in behavioral offenses. But what was most alarming for me was it, they had a 37% reduction in violent offenses. Mm. 
And this, the results were so shocking. Another set of researchers. But what, what type of nutrition was it? Like, what so was the this difference? Is just, this is just from supplements. It went from, this being, even, it went from being spam to a vitamin being added. No, no. Right, right. But still, because I've worked in some of those places, I'm like, this, the food is so bad. It's crazy. I don't, like, the food's so bad. I, I remember I had a job. I worked at a, a place that was a transition for a, a halfway house 18, 17 years ago. Hmm. And um, the, the food in this place was crazy what they actually are fed. So, I mean, to that point, if you think about it, what people are currently getting in prison based upon what right. this found is actually not helping people reduce their anger, their issues, because they can't emotionally regulate themselves if they're out of balance. Right. And so if anything, it's it's this belief like, oh, well, we're not going to help people because they offended, or they, they were violent. But the reality is you could be causing even more harm Right. Encouraging the problem. Yeah. Like instead of creating more balance. Yeah. But also that similar food is what's in our food system with our children as well. Very similar. Mm. And oftentimes they're coming from the same places, actually. And so what the, the question is how. And so another group of researchers, the numbers were so startling. 37% reduction in violence. They repeated the, the, the experiment with another set of prison inmates at another jail and got almost the exact same results. This was published in Aggressive Behavior, which there's journals for everything, by the way. And for me, it's just like, how? What, what's going on? How did this happen? And this gets into very simple neurobiological stuff. Like your brain is made from food. And for example, the omega-3 supplements that they added in, mm-hmm. this is one of the few, there's only a couple dozen nutrients that get expressed past, pathway into the brain. It yeah. has its own diet. It's we call it neuronutrition because of the blood-brain barrier. Omega-3s are so essential that it, because they create cellular stability for the neurons and also allow for something called So signal. you're saying that, that one mineral that people should always have in their diet or life is omega-3. So omega-3s, that's a different category. And why do they got to sound so crazy? These like, they're always like B954, omega, like, right. and I'm like, I feel like it's like, it gets, for a guy like me, right? I'm always, and I had, I had JJ Virgin on the podcast. And then I told her after what, do you know, JJ is, I said to JJ during, I was like, I was eating corn nuts and I didn't know that they were bad for me. She's like, yeah, they're fried. And I'm like, corn nuts are fried. I literally thought I was having like a a really good, nice, uh, healthy, yeah, nice, healthy treat. But then I talked to her afterwards. I was like, yeah, JJ, you can make me the the person that, you know, I, you can do my nutrition and stuff. And then I got to have a phone call with her because it's so much. I just need a simple, like what to add. And it's confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so in oh, Eat Smarter. You just said it. This is the exact yeah. thing and why I wrote this book is that, let me give you an example. When we get, like the gold standard of clinical trials is like a randomized controlled trial. And we'll just, that's conducted. And we find out that we'll say omega-3s, since we're talking about omega-3s, that they're beneficial for reducing your risk of Alzheimer's. Like clinically proven. It is. It takes on average for the study to be completed and proven yeah. to be used in clinical practice about 17 years, all right? right. It's unbelievable. And people should no- be able to access the data immediately. Like we know that this thing can be helpful and save lives potentially. But the issue is the complexity and it's because of the world of academia. And even, re- I, you know, in the last year, I've read over a thousand studies. I'm a research scientist, is what I do. But you have to be able to understand that language. And my publisher, and all the really all the publishers that I've talked to work with agents, mm-hmm. they will say without saying it that people are stupid. 
Mm. and just tell them what to do. Eat this, not that. But how has that served us? It has not worked thus Mm -hmm. far. We are the sickest nation in history, self-inflicted. We have over 200 million Americans who are overweight or obese right now. We're almost at 50% clinically obese. Just within the next couple of years here, something is wrong. And a big part of it is the complexity. And what I've really strived to do is to remove the complexity so people can just understand how their body works, but in a way that makes sense, that's fun. And there's a statement and it's attributed to Einstein, but you know, you know, I don't know Einstein, but he said that if you can't explain it simply, you don't know it well enough. Mm. And so even as I'm researching, I'm thinking, how can I teach this? How can I make this, how can I make the process of metabolism like a movie theater, like going to the movies? Right. And so I did that and I mapped and it was out. That, and and what, is that what you kind of do is the book before was about sleep. And so did you dig yourself into research everything around sleep with the previous book? And do you find yourself going through phases of passion, like where you're like, this next part of my life, this is about to eat smarter. Yeah. I think that there's many, and you know this as well, there's many paths to the goal. Right. Right. And there's also many bridges or con- connective tissue for fe- for people to become interested in health. For me, it was food. You know, food really helped to change me and save save my life, really. And so I'm, I'm a nutritionist. That's what I do. The sleep phenomenon, for me, it was just- In West Hollywood, we call it a nutrition. Nutri- <laughs> nutrition. <laughs> Is nutrition coming around to help us out with our, our nutrition this week? <laughs> just messing. That sounds like my, something my auntie would yeah. say. That's get some of that good nutrition. Okay, get, bring nutrition around here and get us sorted. So because the diet, food, nutrition industry, multi-billion dollar industry, super confusing, so many ads. I find, and people on this uh, podcast have heard me talk about so much before, I I kind of like irk when I see a lot of, and I'm newer in this public coaching space where it's like these people that are like, I'm going to make you a lot of money and pay me this much money. And it, and, and it can dominate ads. And there's a lot of ad money put behind it. And I have to imagine the same applies to food, nutrition, all of that. Like if I'm a big company that does not actually make nutritious, healthy food, but I'm killing it. I'm just going to come out with my thing, the gluten-free version and this version, this version. And that's where it becomes confusing because as a consumer and as someone who's not, you know, doing all the research, like how does, so if someone picks up Eat Smarter, it gives them a simple roadmap to how to start to eat smarter in their life. Yes, but here's the biggest key. So it's a unifier because I know all the guys that have the diet frameworks. I know the keto guy, the carnivore guy, the Mediterranean guy, the the vegan guy. These uh-huh. are all my friends and colleagues and they get results for their patients. But there's a big percentage of people who don't get results. Right. They're not talked about. They're not highlighted. And what it really is and what's lacking is people being able to understand what they need. Right. That might not authentically. Fit, that might not fit in the construct of a diet frame. So how do I figure out what I need? Like use me as a Yeah. So to first to go back to, you know, sleep smarter, and that's a good bridge into into this question, I saw that there was a gap, right? You know, the patients that I was working with in my clinical practice. And know, what degrees did you get? Like how did you I'm a nutritionist. You nutritionist. Know, I just so studied nutritional went, science, nutrition, biology, kinesiology, all that stuff. Got it. 
But it wasn't like, I wasn't passionate about it in the beginning. I actually went to school. I went to a private university in Missouri, really expensive because they had a great pre-med program because I was going to be a doctor because of what I saw on television. I never met anybody who even went to college, let alone graduate from college. Oh, really? Just like, it just it, sounded like it was the right thing to it's do. It's because of the Cosby show. Really? Yeah. You know, he seemed like he was happy. You know, he's a doctor. They had a happy family. That's the influence that I had, you know, but I knew because again, my grandmother, like I knew I, I wanted to do something great, right? but I didn't know what or how to get there. And so, but because of, and I just think sometimes life presents you things because I, if I would have just gone that track, I wouldn't be here today. I right. would have been another cog in the system because I got to see really early on which it was an elective for me to take the, my first nutritional science class. Mm -hmm. And my teacher was obese. And he's teaching me about, because I thought nutrition had to do with fitness. Right. And, and, and the thing was, he was a really smart individual. But if you take a really smart person and you teach them the wrong thing, mm -hmm. they become great at doing the wrong thing, like right. world class. Right. And it's not that he was like secretly huffing down Pepsis and you know honey buns. We were taught the food pyramid yeah. in the very beginning, right? The bottom of the pyramid, you right. get your 7-Eleven browns in, mm -hmm. you know, whole grain, brown, everything. He was doing the thing, but it wasn't working. But because of this state of like learned helplessness of like, this isn't working, but I must be doing it wrong. Yeah. And you just keep, let me, let me whole grain harder, right? Instead of understanding, wait a minute, this isn't working for me. Yeah. So you take that piece and then also you see the focus on pharmacology, on disease, basically, the treatment of symptoms. Right. And there's nothing, there was no class about health, like what actually creates a healthy, robust human being. Right. What, there's no class on how do you actually create an optimal, healthy, functional immune system. It's just all focused on problems. Right. right. And so fortunately, because of another movie, just to be real, I changed my course of study to marketing because of the movie Boomerang with Eddie Murphy. Shout out to that movie, classic. But... Um, and then I just went on about my business for a couple of years and then I lost my own health because of the way that I've been eating since I was a child. My grandmother, even though she loved me so much, she, she, she was just one of those people. She's just one of What was the big happy. change you made in your diet? The big change that I made yeah. when I got healthier? Yeah. <sighs> Man. What was the big pivot? Even this, like just for everybody, it's, it's going to come in phases, you know, but at, the age of 20, I was diagnosed with this so-called incurable spinal condition, uh, degenerative disc disease, which usually happens for folks that are a little bit older and also, you know, definitely, you know, in their elderly years, but I was yeah. just a kid. And even earlier in high school, when I was 15, I broke my hip at track practice just from running. You know, I had all of these degenerative conditions, but none of my physicians ever stopped to ask, like, how is this happening to this child? Mm. And it wasn't until I was 20, I got that diagnosis, but I was also told by my physician that, you know, it's incurable. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. And you know about the nocebo effect, you right. know? So it's giving this negative injunction. And a lot of people don't realize that placebos in trials, we have to account for the placebo for somebody believing right. that it's a real treatment pill, pain reliever, whatever the case is. On average, placebos are 33% effective in clinical trials. So people's blood sugar normalizing, hmm. you know, cancer tumors getting broken down. The list goes because on. Because they on. believe it. Because of the, the brain is the most powerful pharmacy. We have all the things to do right. the action. Even when we take a drug, it's still your body interacting with the drug to do the thing. You right. know, even our immune system, 
when we're talking about fighting off a, a sickness, an infection, for example, the inflammation is our immune system creating the inflammation, you know, right. trying to solve the issue. And so having this experience, you know, I went through a really, really tough time and just my body breaking down, mm. I really felt isolated and alone and my identity as an athlete, all that stuff. And eventually when I finally made this switch in my mind, like realizing I've been outsourcing my health to people who they meant well, but again, they were not trained in what actually creates health. And I finally asked, what can I do to get better? Like, mm -hmm. because you know, like our questions kind of dominate our thinking. And within a matter of weeks, I started to see things that were there the whole time that I just wasn't attuned to because I was chronically like asking, what? why me, why, why this happened to me? Like for example, a friend of mine, who she was a chiropractor and I'd known her for years. Yeah. But now once I asked, how can I get better? It's a, she invited me to go to a wild oats with her, you know, which was there, you know, for whole food, uh, whole food scooped him up. Right. I didn't know this exists. I was living in Ferguson, Missouri at the time. Right. So I didn't know what a health food store was. I didn't know any of this stuff. And so, but now I, being that, you know, still in, in college, I have this eye for analytical data. I'm a very logical person. I see myself as, and so there's books there. And it's just like, oh, there's a study that found that this nutrient increases bone density. I thought calcium was what did that. Hmm. And I'm taking all of this calcium and drinking milk, but my bones still keep breaking down. And it, there was like 20 other things that I didn't know about. And I wasn't getting through my drive through window diet that, I mean, I mean, I ate fast food every day, mm -hmm. not, not a day, unless I was flat broke, then I'd eat some ramen noodles. But I, this was just in my environment. Right. Ferguson, when I stepped foot out my door, within a mile and a half radius, it's a liquor store, Popeye's chicken, Lee's chicken, Domino's, Papa John's, Chinese food, but not like the nice Chinese restaurants, like Bulletproof Glass, yeah. Chinese food, you know, high braised chicken, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Dairy Queen, Burger King, Wendy's, uh, Krispy Kremes. And that's just within a mile and a half radius. Right. Like I never, I didn't know what health would look like. Right. And the environment itself is oppressive and just encouraging us to continue to be sick. So the thing that I did first that really turned for me, the first thing I tried to do was slim fast. Cause I was like, I should try to lose weight hmm. because of marketing. Like you said, marketers mess everything up, right? Shake for breakfast, shake for lunch is sensible dinner. You got right. this. It's all your vitamins right. and minerals. It doesn't work for yeah. most people. Um, but quickly thereafter, because of the environmental influences, I had her who I had known all this time, health food stores, books existed, research existed. I just wasn't attuned to it. Right. And so I first became a natural pill popper to be 100, you know, which is just like, okay, I need chromium. I need omega threes. I need silica, but that shit was expensive. So then within about another week, I had really looked at, okay, which foods have all these things? Mm. And I just started to just flood my cells in all of these things I was deficient in. And the the bow on this story, on the, on, the, on the gift was everything about, including my spine, you know, my disc, they're made of food. Yeah. And if you don't give your body the raw materials that it needs to build the tissues, it cannot do its job. Mm. It's a very simple principle. Our heart is made from food. Your brain, the neurons, the dendrites, the gray matter, all the white matter, it's made from food. Right. It's what allows us to have thoughts and feelings. It's all made from food. And so knowing that and providing my body the things that it can actually do cool stuff with, it changed everything for me. So it was, it was getting into the research and looking it up and getting really curious and passionate. So what, what is though, like, if, and I know there's, everyone's different, but if there was like a vitamin 
that people it's a, that they're currently lacking nutrition and blank because of the way culture is. Is there anything that you found is like usually a pretty good where there's not going to be negative consequences? Yeah. Vitamin. That's a great question. And it's, it's messed up that you're asking me this because it goes against everything that I'm teaching to give a specific. I want people to be able to know for themselves and to test because everybody has a unique metabolism. Mm -hmm. You might be deficient in something someone else isn't, but I can give you what the data shows the biggest problem. Let me give you those, those two. Yeah, it's not necessary for everyone, but the biggest problem. And here's the solution. The, The two are the number one mineral deficiency in the United States is magnesium. Hmm. Right. And and this is why this matters. Magnesium is responsible for over 600 biochemical processes in the body. So what that means is there's over 650 things your body can't do if you're deficient in it or or can't do properly. All right. And it's the number one mineral deficiency. About 60 percent of us are chronically deficient. What is what has a lot of magnesium in general? I'll I'll get I'll do that last. Okay. Because I want to share what it does. Okay. All right. So magnesium having all these roles, a lot of them have to do with stress management activation of your parasympathetic and deactivation of your fight or flight nervous system. But also this is incredibly important for your cognitive performance. Mm. And one of the studies that I share, because it's a, it's also an electrolyte. And if you listen to the word electro light, so this is how the brain, the electrical energy of the brain, your brain cells being able to talk. Interesting. And when you're deficient in this. And so one of the studies I shared was they took individuals who already had uh, existing cognitive decline between mm. the age of 50 and 70, got them on a magnesium regimen. And just after a couple months, when they retested them, they were now functioning as if their brains were nine years younger. Wow. Just within a matter of weeks. All right. A couple of months. Mm. So that's how powerful it is. All right. And I can go on and on with the benefits. Now, what are the sources? This is a thing about food as well. It gives us indications of what what it has mm-hmm. based on the way it looks, the way that it kind of functions in nature. So anything green is going to be a great source of magnesium. It's very, going to be very dense in magnesium. So green leafy vegetables, you know, broccoli, nuts and seeds are great source of magnesium, but also chocolate, funny enough. How do you know if you're low in magnesium? You go to the doctor and get a test done? You can get anything tested, but yeah. you don't have to spend. Chances are you probably are. Right. Because it's it's such a buffer for stress, and I don't know anybody today that's not stressed out. Right, you know what I mean. So, and so it's and then doing a vitamin. Is there that big of a difference between in studies between doing a vitamin versus the broccoli? That's a great question. So, in my nutritional science class, I was taught, you know, just make sure you get all your essential minerals. Right, yeah. take a multivitamin. The thing that wasn't taught again is that there are so many different types. Mm-hmm. There are so many different types of magnesium. There's different types of vitamin Trust C. Me, There's I've different types. The, I've just showed up at the vitamin store and I don't think the person behind the counter is going to really be able to advise me, to be honest. I don't think, I think, you know, they're not, sometimes maybe someone's really passionate about it, but I don't know. And you're right. Like if I was going to go to the store and go, okay, I need magnesium. Then what you're what looking at. What type do you need? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, what brand is trustworthy? Yeah. Right. And then what marketing, because you don't know and yeah. you're just like, and I guess you can't go wrong with magnesium. You can't like. Well, here, let me give an example. If you have too much, we'll just say magnesium citrate, which is one version. Okay. If you, and maybe you need twice as much as you're able to take, because maybe you take half of the dose that you need and 
that type of magnesium pulls water to your bowels. So it will cause a side effect of disaster pants or diarrhea. Okay. All right. It can cause you to flush your system out. And thus you'll also end up losing magnesium too. All right. So you can't effectively get your magnesium levels up with that alone again. So, but this is what's different with food is that it has a variety of different types that we're still discovering of magnesium, of silica, of vitamin C, and also cofactors like these, they're called biopotentiators that make your body absorb it better. And it just makes sense because we evolved eating food. We didn't evolve taking Centrum. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's some new shit to our our genes. And your body's trying to figure out, especially if it's a synthetic version of it versus a whole food form, right? Mm. So, yeah, so those are some sources of magnesium, but also, you know, that's just one. I'm going to have a magnesium party. I'm going to get a <laughs> spread out in front of me. I mean, we've been having a, I've been doing jujitsu um, regularly for the past 90 days. And what I love about jujitsu is it's a lifestyle. And it, when it's, it's a lifestyle because of the environment you enter into. So my uh, uh, got instructor's name is Cobrina. And he was a world champ, you know, incredible guy. But what's amazing about it is he started to advise me on what to eat and how to eat it to kind of train like how they train. And since I've made those tweaks, it's really improved. And one of those things we started drinking was uh, ginger and turmeric and as like a hot tea. Yeah. And uh, wow. And so we're now we have a ginger and uh, turmeric party. You know what I mean? Like I try, I have to eventize things so that I've like like if I make it a magnesium party, I'm like, ooh, the magnesium is coming out this week, you know. And then I'll get <laughs> into it because otherwise, I feel like it's like I have to make it fun, yeah, or a lifestyle. And I think that's that's why everyone's just so different. But that's helpful to know because it makes sense. Like we all go through like this brain fog at times, like where we're like, I slept eight hours. I thought I ate well. I'm not that stressed, let's say. Like, why am I not connecting the dots? Okay, I meditated. But for me, and I and look, I'm a relative, I work out. I eat fairly healthy, like healthy in terms of like, I don't eat fast food. I don't have, for me, I don't eat bread or like, and I, I'm a big guy. I'm 275 pounds, but like, I'm, feel pretty good. Like I like how I look, you know, like I don't look in the mirror and be like, who's that dude? You know, like I'm a, <laughs> if anything, I have the opposite of body dysmorphia. Like even when I was a lot heavier, I looked in the mirror and I was like, Oh, I'm thick. Like I just, I, that's <laughs> two how I, C's with two C's. Exactly. So it's, but that's really helpful to know. Cause I never realized that makes it simple that a potential solution for brain fog or just feeling like the thoughts aren't connecting would be magnesium. This is perfect, man. Thank you for saying that because so often, this is why I wrote Sleep Smarter, is because we could be doing all this stuff right, but Mm. a simple, this one thing could be causing all of this problem. And for so many folks, it's a simple nutrient deficiency is what, even with our sleep, magnesium Mm -hmm. has a role in our sleep quality as well. And I shared a study in the book on that. And I call them like this category of good sleep nutrients. So you could have the perfect mattress, you could have the posturepedic, orthopedic, yeah. massages your buns, all of it, the perfect pillow, blackout curtains, and still not feel recovered if you're deficient in the nutrients that actually build the hormones that enable you to sleep, that enable mm. you to go through your sleep cycles. So one is magnesium, and what was the other? You said there's two. Yeah, two the big. other big one, the 
man, it's such a big, big issue is omega-3 fatty acids. It is a massive, but the reason now, let me, let me be clear. So why the hell is it got, why well, listen I, to this. Why don't they call it like chowder <laughs> or like, and I find in this, and I'm newly introduced into like the coaching world with like nutrition and stuff. Some of this stuff, I'm like, what are you all talking about? Like people are like, don't eat hummus, don't eat kale, don't do that. And I'm like, like it's it, you just start to get really confused yeah. when you're not in it. Like if you're in it, you're probably like you know you know it. But on the outside, you're like the hell. Like we're gonna make it even more simple though. Yes, you know, omega even, three fatty acids. Even with magnesium, I'm steering us away from getting into complications about supplements yes. and just like eat some green stuff, eat yes. some chocolate. Yes, right? we love magnesium. We live so, for magnesium. So with a when you think about these names and these mm. categ categories. These are nerds. So it's like, why is this the omega? Right. Right. What's the alpha? You know? Mm -hmm. And so we're just, we, we're going to. Why we're, is it? Not, why isn't it gender neutral? No, I'm just <laughs> we're going to. It's not getting with the times. <laughs> These. Anyways, keep going. So we're going to, we're going to just keep this overarching name. We're going to keep it there. And then we're going to get into how do we do it? So. Mm. The reason that I'm saying, no, so number one, this is a big, big nutrient deficiency because of the way we eat today. Mm -hmm. What we did, we were able to look at biopsies from folks in the earlier part of the 1900s. And like, so like seeing what's in their fat Dead tissue. people. No, no, not, I'm talking about back in the day, the okay, data with back living. back in the day, they were like. old cadavers. No. Got it, okay. So like doing a biopsy and seeing what the body fat content is of a person in the early part of the 1900s, what they discovered was that their body fat content itself was about just 2% PUFAs, all right? And this is easy to remember, PUFA. Uh -huh. So polyunsaturated fatty acids. Uh -huh. Today, when we biopsy, the majority of folks on average have about 30%. Their fat is made of 30% polyunsaturated fatty acids, these PUFAs. Right. All right? Even the name PUFA sounds like it's puffy. But this is from these highly processed seed oils that we thought were healthy. That my grandfather, hmm. when his doctor was trying to help prevent him to have a heart attack, told him to eat this shit, right. which is quote vegetable oil, which is right. not it's not broccoli oil. It's not made from kale. These are highly refined seed oils. And one of the studies that I cited in the book uh, from the journal Inhalation and uh, and uh, Toxicity that really focuses on that found that just smelling, just inhaling. Mm -hmm. These highly refined seed oils, like vegetable oil, canola oil, can damage your fucking DNA. Hmm. Just smelling it, all right? No, let alone us eating this stuff. Again, every meal is in most processed foods. It's using these oils, corn oil. The list goes on and on. Wait, so, so canola oil comes from what? It's a it's a rape seed. I mean, even the name sounds bad. But anyways, like so canola oil, It's most of it is genetically modified. And then it has to go through such a process of 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 heating and deodorizing and they have to add all these chemicals to make it palatable because it would taste and smell terrible right so it's all of these chemical tricks to make it it's just but it's very cheap mm. and marketers use that shit let's call it vegetable oil and let's say that this is the best oil and they did that shit right whereas we didn't we literally did not evolve right and, and all of a sudden it just it's everywhere it's changed our body fat content right now we're not even the same ingredients of a human that we were a hundred years ago, all right? But with the omega-3, so we need omega-3s because what we've seen is our ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s. Omega-3s are like anti-inflammatory, right? They're pro-cognitive performance. Okay. They're um, pro kind of metabolic health. Yeah. Omega-6s are also important. We need them, 
but they're more, I'm sorry, omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. Omega-6s are pro-inflammatory, but we okay. need them to like help our cells repair, uh, for immune responses. It's, it's still important, but our ratio should be about three to one omega-6 to omega-3. Okay. Three to one. Okay. The average person today, 20 to one, 30 to one. So now we have such a pro-inflammatory content of these kind of structural fats and in our bodies. And it's creating big problems with our metabolism and also our cognitive function as well. So the reason I'm saying that omega-3s are so important is we have to fix this ratio. We have to fix the ingredients that we're made out of. And omega-3s have an express pathway of getting into the brain because they, they create our, our cells' actual structure. They're called structural fats. So they're not storage fats. They're not brown fat that can burn fat. They're structural fats. And omega-3s enable, similar to magnesium, is something called transduction. So your brain cells can talk to each other, mm -hmm. which is kind of important. When you talked earlier about why do people hurt people? Why do people engage mm -hmm. in violence? The brain is not working. It's not talking to each other and communicating to understand like your executive function of your brain. If I do this action, this is going to be the result, right? It's, it's not that it's impossible when you're not well, it's just harder. Okay. And so that it's one of the biggest deficiencies. If we just look at the ratio of what is in our diet now. Mm -hmm. So I really implore people to get there, but it's not just any omega threes. Again, there's multiple types. There's DHA, EPA, ALA. What you need is DHA specifically and EPA. And I'm just going to tell you where to get it. The journal neurology found that folks who eat one seafood meal per week do in fact perform significantly better on cognitive skills tests than people who have less than one a week. All right. Fatty fish, salmon, mackerel, sardines, but also the most dense source really is fish eggs, all right? So caviar, salmon roe. Um, but again, you don't have to have, none. if caviar isn't your thing, you don't have to have it. But I just want you to know the data. Most of the studies on omega-3s is done on fish oil. We know it's, it's very, very effective. But if what if you're vegan or vegetarian? Then we've got krill oil mm. and we also have algae oil. Regardless of which one you get, you need to get yourself a dense source I remember, of DHA. Yeah, I remember I went with um, Jennifer Lopez to Ryan Seacrest's birthday party as her like date, like friend in Napa. And I remember there was so much caviar, but I just couldn't get into it. And everyone just kept raving about the caviar and how amazing the caviar I was. I think a good percentage of them were lying. Really? Yeah. You know, to fit yeah. in. Like, like, this is I, delicious. Yeah, like I just, I was like, oh. I'm not that exquisite because I'm not getting <laughs> I'm into not it. <laughs> Everyone was, I'm sure it was very expensive. It was like his 40th birthday party, right? Yeah. Oh, it is. It's very expensive. It is, right? Especially that level. It was probably the most expensive caviar. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's an acquired taste. Yeah, I mean, some people absolutely love it. And yeah. a lot of folks don't enjoy it. But the part of the reason it's so expensive is it's very nutritious. And yeah. it's actually tied to things like, you know, libido. It's tied to improved, you know, cognitive health and yeah. all that stuff. So, yeah. So, so basically seafood once a week, but then, you know, what's interesting is I found like, I know some people who were told like eat fish and then they got mercury poisoning and like too much tuna, I guess. So there's like certain fish that are not the healthiest to eat, right? There's a lot of nuance with, with many of these things, but it really comes back to us sure. humans fucking things up and messing up the environment. Right. Because 
in a natural human setting, like my wife is from Kenya and then there's a, there's different tribes and there's like a tribe who like they, they, a big part of their diet is predominantly seafood. Uh -huh. Right. And they've just developed a genetic Got connection. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. To be able to metabolize, to utilize, right. to be robust and healthy. Right. Cause you're saying mercury comes from what's going on in the world and the earth and that wouldn't be a natural uh, consequence of eating. Yeah, things are beginning to bioaccumulate right. into, you know, animals. And we're an animal that eats other animals, you know, often. And so they bioaccumulate in us. And even if you're not eating animals and you're eating, you know, plants yeah. that are sprayed with pesticides, herbicides, rodenticides, these things bioaccumulate in our tissues and they can create a lot of damage. Um, one of the biggest issues, and this is what I talk about in Eat Smarter, is this term... It's another, it's a complicated term, but it's epicaloric mm -hmm. control. And this just means above caloric control. Because in school, I was taught you can manage your body weight if you manage calories, right? Calories in, calories out. Right. But today we know there's seven clinically proven things that control what calories do in your body, regardless of your calorie deficit. Somebody can be on the exact same diet as you. They're the same height and same weight, same exercise, same everything. But you can end up burning 100,000 calories more per year than them mm. because of the factors that control what calories do in our bodies. One of those is your brain itself. Your brain is like the internal thermostat, right? Your hypothalamus specifically. And hypothalamic inflammation is one of the biggest, a couple hundred million people in America have this issue, but they don't know it because your brain doesn't have pain receptors. It can't tell you that it's, it's hurting. Yeah, you know, you're just making me think of something um, as you're talking and because you didn't go the route of becoming a doctor and, you know, a licensed professional, right? Which I didn't either. So I was a counselor and then I decided I didn't want to go to school to become a licensed therapist. And I own a treatment center for the past 15 years. And But everyone I've hired from academia has fucking failed so bad working for us. Like they don't have the street. They don't have the practical sense of what's going on around the world. They're just looking at you know, they're not in the trenches, so to speak, right? It's more of a, a teacher academic approach. And I think that's why there's been such a high interest and demand for your book and for, for what you're talking about and why it's growing so much is because we don't really get to learn this stuff in school. Right. Especially not in this way. No. Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, so with that, with the brain, your brain can literally tell your gut, it's connected, it's the vagus nerve. It can tell your gut, just say you eat a meal. It can tell your gut to increase the absorption of calories or reduce the absorption of calories from that mood, from that, from that food, mm. like that. And one of the biggest dysregulators of that absorption process is inflammation in mm. your gut and or in your brain. And so... One of the things that can heal this issue that a lot, you know, these some diets accidentally do this and make their metabolism work better. But I'm being very specific. One of the things found, and this was from researchers at Auburn University, found that extra virgin olive oil, oleocanthal rich, antioxidant rich, extra virgin olive oil has been found to directly reduce brain inflammation mm. and help with metabolism. And also was found to repair the blood brain barrier so that protective mechanism that keeps the wrong shit out of your brain that causes inflammation. Uh, this isn't even an advocation for you should have olive oil. It's just the data exists right? and you should know, you know? So what the researchers found was two to three tablespoons a day was found to have this protective and healing effect on reducing inflammation in the brain. Mm. So then there's nuance with that. You don't want 
olive oil with having something that's great for your brain along with something that hurts your brain like pesticides. Mm. So you want to make sure it's a higher quality. You notice when you go to buy olive oil, 90% of it's bottled in dark glass bottles. Yes. Because it's photosensitive. And if our, we, we've known this for centuries. When you put it in plastic, when you put it in clear bottles, it's already oxidizing and becoming rancid. Mm. All right. And also when you cook it, now you can cook with it, you know, medium heat, whatever, but you're going to denature and lose a lot of the benefits. And so a lot of folks who include olive oil in their diet historically, they use it for salads, they use it as a finisher. Mm. So your disc is, dish is plated, then you drizzle some, put it, they put on some, you know, some sourdough bread, whatever. Um, you can cook with it and that's okay, but ideally you want to get it in in a way that it's not denatured. I've, I've this, and you may or not may not answer this if I ask you this, but I'm just curious your opinion is so. There's like you know in mental health, for example, that I work in primarily, there's um, huge body positivity that that you know people talk about. And does do you believe that? And then there's like you know cover a Cosmo. They'll put like you know this is the new beauty and what have you. My question is. Does that aesthetic actually mean healthy and that like what I know it's defined for each individual, but and I know culture has made healthy seem like you're ripped. Right. But at what point is your definition that something's healthy or not healthy for in just a pure medical nutritional? Yeah, that's such a great question. Such a great question. The answer is our it's obvious. You know, no two people should be built the same or they, they can't be built the same. Right. We're all very different. And there's an optimal of what that looks like. You know, through our evolution, we would have, you know, a certain density of muscle tissue, but also certain density of fat, depending on what time of year it is. It wasn't something that was so culturally supposed to be this way or supposed to be that way. These are all really newer things in human evolution. Yeah. And... To, to really answer that question, you know, you mentioned earlier, even seeing yourself and like, I'm thick, you know, that's good. Yeah. That really, these things really boil down to, it doesn't matter what your weight is, your body composition is just, are you healthy? Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. I don't give a shit. I don't care if you're, you know, yeah. 50 pounds overweight. Who said that that's overweight mm -hmm. anyways? Because we're using these metrics. When I say there's 200 million Americans who are overweight or obese, when I'm saying that, I'm saying that in my mind as well, that like, that's still with the caveat. However, the majority being clinically obese, that measurement, you know, with BMI, yeah. that's still like, because me growing up in the environment that I'm from, you know, somebody being a running back, right? They might be 5'10 and 220 pounds. Right. But then they'd be considered overweight if we are using- Right, you know, a certain this, measure. Right. So it's really, it's really whatever- uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally works for each person and not telling other people that being obese is healthy and also not telling people that having a six pack is healthy. It's figuring out for yourself what is healthy. That's right. That's right. And many of these things are side effects, you know, like a six pack is a side effect of right. certain things. And right. it doesn't necessarily mean I've done, you know, just over the years, all the experimentation. I've been in this field for almost 20 years. And so there was a time I was 4.6% body fat. I might walk around at like 9% just doing what I normally do.
but just the different stuff I was trying. I I'd never felt worse, you mm. know. Like I I my my sleep was shitty. I um my my energy was lower. Like it just wasn't healthy. Yeah. Right. But I've just like trying to get to that place so I could say that I did the thing. And and that's and to that point, I and I'm I'm glad it doesn't show up on my Instagram feed that much. But I must have been liking fitness stuff before, so I just kept seeing like on my search. When I opened up Instagram, it would show all these people that were so ripped. And, you know, if you think about it, you're like, okay, well, and I get it. It's discipline and I'm going to be ripped. But then you really look at it and you're like, for what really, if you're being honest? Like, is it somehow a belief that you will be happier? Because clearly, if you're restricting yourself that much, it, you you know, like people I know who have done bodybuilding, yeah. the day of the show, they're miserable. You know, <laughs> fighters who cut weight, they're yeah, miserable yeah. for a few days before. No wonder they want to fight. Yeah, no wonder they want to fight, right? So, well, listen, we're all out of time, but I appreciate you coming on. You've also agreed to do our empowerment group, which I'm excited for, which anyone who wants to join the empowerment group, uh, just go to coachmikebear.com. You enter your email. We send you an email each week. We're going to be blessed to have Sean Stevenson joining us. Also, his new book, Eat Smarter, which it was such a hit that it sold out. Very hard to get. I mean, this is, I don't, none of you probably play Magic the Gathering, but there's a card called the Black Lotus. It's now worth like $3,000. Essentially, this book is like the Black Lotus. So you need to get it while you can and order it. You can get it at Target too. Target has a few more of those books where my book, One Decision, is also, you know, we're kind of, our books are brothers on that shelf. They're hanging out together and um, doing the dance. One gets your mind right. The other gets your food and and mindset right. So I appreciate you coming on, Sean. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, brother. So uh, make sure you click to subscribe and I'll talk to you guys very soon. Keep it magical. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.